Welcome to this faith-inspiring message from Living Streams UK. We hope you are blessed. I want to talk to us today about prevailing prayer. What does it mean to be prevailing in prayer? You know, why do some prayers get answered and some other prayers seem not to get answers from God? A prayerless Christian, we do know, is a powerless Christian. We know that he who kneels before God can stand before men and also prevail over every demonic obstacle. We pray to fellowship with God, but we must remember that we also pray to unfellowship with the world and with the world's influences. It is prayer that generates fire that we need in our lives. And for prayer to generate fire, that prayer itself must carry fire. What I mean is, how are we fired up when we pray? A prayer that generates fire is a prayer that carries fire. So I want to talk about three important ingredients of prevailing prayer. What are the three qualities? What are the three things that characterize prevailing prayer? What do we mean by prevailing prayer? And how can we engage in prevailing prayer if we want answers from God? Number one, sustained desire. And let's go back into God's word to see what we mean by sustained desire as part of prevailing prayer or as an ingredient of prevailing prayer. James chapter 5 verses 17 to 18. And I read, Elijah was a man with a nature like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Verse 18 says, Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. What do we see here? Elijah was a man of like passions, like you and me. He was a man just like us. There was nothing supernatural about Elijah as a human being like you and like me. However, Elijah knew something that made him almost supernatural, if you like. Elijah had access to some information. Elijah had access to a certain principle that separated him, that set him apart to be able to pray for it not to rain. And to pray again for it to rain. What was that principle? The answer is in the very verses that we read. The Bible said, Elijah prayed earnestly. Earnestly. That is, he prayed with sustained passion. He 
prayed with sustained desire. He prayed with sustained tenacity. He would not give up until he got the answer. How many Christians today have sustained desires in prayer? How many Christians today will go into the prayer chamber and seek the face of the Lord until they got their answer? How many Christians today would go before him and say, I am not giving up until I get that promise fulfilled in my life? How many Christians today would seek the face of the Lord with sustained desire? So sustained desire was something that made Elijah's prayer powerful. It gave fire to his prayer so that his prayer would generate fire to bring down an answer. Now we must understand that Elijah prayed this prayer not for his own need. He prayed this prayer so that the glory of God would be revealed in Israel. Remember that Israel had turned their face away from the Lord. Israel, led by King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, had introduced the worship of demons, the worship of Baal, the God called Baal, and Jehovah, the Most High God. They turned their face away from the Almighty God. And so, Elijah is praying in this particular portion of scripture to retain the worship of the true God. That is Jehovah. That is the almighty and everlasting father. The Lord our God. Elijah is wanting to establish the worship of the true God in Israel. Not for his own need in this particular instance. And yet even though what he was praying for was for the glory of God to be revealed. Then one would have thought that oh, it is in God's interest. So Why must I pray with such passion? Why must I attach such earnestness? Why must I attach such strong desire to my prayer? For God to answer something which would bring him glory. But what do we see? Even though he was praying for God's glory to be revealed, Elijah still prayed with sustained desire. How much more, ladies and gentlemen, how much more if we were praying for something that is of utmost importance for us? How much more if there is a need in our lives and we want God to intervene? How much more shall we attach sustained desire to our prayer? A burning desire is what produces a powerful prayer. Can you sustain your desire? It is not as if you have a desire today to pray for something and then tomorrow morning you lose that desire. That is why emphasis is on the word sustained. Sustained desire. Can you maintain that desire throughout the week? Can we sustain that desire throughout the months? Can we sustain that desire in some cases throughout the years? Sustained desire. Are you trusting God to do something in your life? Are you believing God to do something in your ministry? Are you believing God to do something in your marriage? Are you believing God to do something in your family? 
Are you believing God to do something in your education? Are you believing God to do something in your job? Are you believing God to do something in your health? And are you believing God to do something in your life? If there is a desire, how strong and sustained is that desire in your life? Ladies and gentlemen, we need sustained desire. Like Elijah, he would not pray until he got his answer. You and I need the sustained desire. There's a song that says, Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> I'm not sure the writer of the song really knew the import of these words. To knock on heaven's door, it takes sustained desire. To knock on heaven's door, it takes a burning desire, not just a line of music. Ladies and gentlemen, sustained desire. Principle number two. Sustained demand. Sustained demand. Now, by demand, we do not mean here to authoritatively make a demand for something as if you were speaking to a slave because God is not your slave. Rather, a demand in the meaning that you were making a request for something that was urgent. You had an urgent request, an urgent need for something. That is the meaning of demand that I want us to think about. And so sustained demand. Here we see Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to verse 11. Jesus says something very powerful over there. He says, Ask and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Actually, in that particular verse, there is an exclamation mark. How much more? Will your heavenly father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? That is, God is more willing to give us. But how are we doing the asking? Ladies and gentlemen, in this particular portion of scripture that Jesus says, in the English language, is ask, seek, find. But actually, in the original Greek, it is in the present continuous tense. So he is actually saying in reality, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. So God wants us to constantly come before him in request. He wants us to constantly seek his face. 
and he wants us to go into the next phase where we are constantly knocking on heaven's door. Keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Apostle Paul in the Bible exemplifies this. He prayed a specific prayer for the church. But he says, I continue, that is, I don't cease to pray this particular prayer for you. That is, I keep asking God for this for you. We see in Colossians chapter 1, in the verse number 9, Apostle Paul says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. That is, we have not stopped praying for you. Praying for you about what? He answers that question. That is, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So here Paul says, he has not stopped praying. He did not stop praying. He did not cease to offer prayers and to make a request. That is, and to continue to make this particular request for you. So you can almost see Paul praying today. Lord, fill this church with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then tomorrow, because his desire is so strong and sustained, tomorrow he continues in sustained demand, praying the same prayer. Lord, I pray for this church that they may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The third day, he has sustained desire which then translates into sustained demand, he continues to pray, Lord, I pray for this church that they may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Fourth day, fifth day, sixth, and so on, throughout his life and his ministry, he is praying for this church, asking for this particular uh, uh, grace to come upon this church, constantly not ceasing to pray for them. Sustained desire leads us to sustained demand. We also see in Ephesians chapter 1 and the verse number 16, this same Paul who exemplifies this very uh, principle says to the Ephesian church, he says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So I don't cease, I don't stop praying for you. That's what? What is that particular prayer that he says he does not stop praying? He says in the verse number 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So again, you can almost picture Paul today, he's praying this prayer for the Ephesian church. Tomorrow, he's praying the same prayer. Perhaps even in the same day, on the same day, he prays his prayer in the morning. By the midday, he's still burning with passion and with hunger and with desire. Praise the same prayer for the church. By the close of the day, he's so still burning. He's still burning with passion and, 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 and desire. And so by the close of the day, he prays the same prayer for the church. Christian, listening to me today. Where is your sustained desire? Where is your sustained demand? Will you rise in prayer? 
Will you sustain that desire? Will you sustain that demand? The Lord your God is waiting to hear your voice. He wants you to rise in prayer. He wants you to rise in faith. He wants you to rise in that hunger. He wants to have his hand working in your life. I came across something very powerful in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and the verse number 8. Now we all know in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and the verse number 8, Paul describes, or proud to that, he describes how a thorn in the flesh was a problem for him. A messenger of Satan who constantly buffeted him in the ministry. And in this particular verse, in the verse number 8, he says, I prayed to God three times concerning this. And the Lord said, so that is the Lord then answered him and said, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So, something caught my attention when I read this portion of scripture. Paul says, I prayed concerning this particular thing, concerning this particular need in my life, concerning this particular challenge in my ministry, in my life, in me. So for someone, it could be concerning a particular situation in your health, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family, maybe in your workplace, maybe in in whatever it is that is connected to you, concerning something specifically. Paul says, concerning this thing, I prayed to the Lord three times. So you can almost imagine, first time he prayed, what is it that will push him to pray it again? There must be something burning in him. There is a desire, a sustained desire. I need this situation dealt with. So the following day, he prayed about it again. Or perhaps in the same time, the same day or the same moment, he prays about it again. Then a few moments later, no, the, the, the desire is burning. The hunger, the hunger is strong. And so he sustains his demand. He prays about it again. On the third time, he says, the Lord gave an answer. Now, what that means is that he could have prayed a hundred times. And then he would have recorded for us to read today that concerning this thing, I pray to the Lord one hundred times. It also means he could have prayed twice. And then on the second time, maybe when the Lord answered, he would have said to us in the scriptures, I prayed concerning this thing two times. But in this particular occasion, we know, as the word also says, he prayed about it three times. Now, the learning here is he prayed for it again and again and again. Sustained demand. Ladies and gentlemen, will we sustain our demand in prayer? Will we sustain that desire which would then translate into our sustained demand? God is looking for men and women of prayer in these times. The Lord is looking for you and for me. The Lord is looking for us to rise up in prayer. It is time to pray. It is time to sustain our energy. It is time to sustain our hunger. It is time to sustain our desire in prayer. Concerning this thing, I pray to the Lord three times. Concerning the thing in your life, as you listen to me right now, how many times have you prayed about it? 
concerning the thing in your situation that you find yourself in now. How many times have you sustained the Lord? Have you sustained in prayer concerning that particular matter? How many times? He says, concerning this thing, I pray to the Lord three times. Epaphras caught my attention in the word. Now, you will know that Epaphras was one of Apostle Paul's companions in the ministry. He came from Colossae, or he was a Colossian, I should say. And he was part of Paul's team. In fact, in Rome, where Paul wrote this letter, by the way, the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians are called the twin epistles and all the prison epistles because they were both written from prison. That is when Paul was uh, locked up in uh, the Roman prison in house arrest. He was able to then write to these two churches. He was in prison, therefore, with this young man called Epaphras. And the Bible said, Paul wrote something about Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4 and the verse number 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. Then he says, then Paul says something very powerful here, which caught my attention. And I read, he says, Epaphras is always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. So he is always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. So Epaphras is always laboring earnestly for the church in prayer. And what is that prayer? Paul writes that prayer for us. That prayer is Epaphras is praying for the church that they will stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. You can almost imagine Epaphras. He's laboring intensely in prayer. He's, he's holding the hand of God in prayer. Today he's praying, Lord, I need you to cause the church to stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. The next time he's praying the same prayer. Tomorrow he's praying the same prayer. He's hungry. There is a sustained desire in Epaphras for the church, which has led him to a place of sustained demand. Always laboring. Earnestly. Passionately, with tenacity, he would not give up until he saw the answer. Can we be like Epaphras today? How many Christians are like Epaphras? How many Christians would hold God in prayer? Number three. What did we say? Three ingredients of prevailing prayer. Number one, sustained desire. Number two, sustained demand. And number three, sustained faith. Sustained faith. You see, faith is what pulls answers to prayer. In James chapter 1 and the verse number 6 to the verse number 7, the apostle James teaches us something very powerful. He says, let not that man, he said, he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea. That is, it's like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For the man 
for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. That is in verse 8. So here the scripture says, if we ask doubting, if we ask without sustained faith, if we ask without sustained faith, guess what? We do not receive. We are like the wave of the sea tossed to and fro. So what does the Bible teach us in this particular portion of scripture? You and I must sustain faith when we go before God in prayer. While your sustained desire leads you to a place of sustained demand, we ought also to go to that place of sustained faith because faith must push our prayer up there and faith is what will pull the answers, the answers back to us. The prayer of faith again is what heals the sick. The Bible says in James chapter 5 and the verse number 5. And I read. Prayer that is offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. That is James chapter 5 verse 15. Verse 15. Not verse 5. James chapter 5, verse 15. is a prayer of faith that will heal the sick. Ladies and gentlemen, sustained faith is what we need. Mountain moving faith. We see Jesus teach this kind of faith. In Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus makes it plain to us. For us to make the mountain move, we need faith and no doubting. We need faith without any iota of doubt. Elsewhere, he says, faith like a mustard seed can move a mountain. In Matthew 17, 20 and also in Matthew 21 and the verse number 21. In the scriptures, faith, faith, faith must be sustained nothing wavering, then we can receive from the Lord. Sustained faith. So three principles of what we talked about. Number one, sustained desire. Number two, sustained demand. And number three, sustained faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And that there's a full stop. <laughs> or there is nothing. Or he is what? That there is nothing there in that portion of scripture. That, that says he is what? So what is the what does the is end with? There's a he that comes to God must believe that he is. So for you, if you need healing, then he is your healer. If you need something provided in your life, then he is your provider. If you need a, a move in your life, then he is the one who can do it in your life. If you need protection, he is your protector. If you need help, he is your helper. So scripture intentionally leaves that place for us to make God what we want him to be. Because when you have faith, he's able to feel whatever blank is in your life. He's able to feel it. He that comes to God must believe. That is, you must have faith that he is. He is. What is God to you? What is God to you? Will you have sustained faith in the one who has called you? 
He will not let you down. He will not give up on you and he has never given up on any of his children. Continue to hold faith in him. Sustain your desire, sustain your demand and sustain your faith in the Lord your God. Hallelujah. So how do we pray, Pastor? How do we pray? <laughs> Someone asked me this question recently and I want to give an answer. Matthew chapter 6 and the verse number 9 to the verse number 13. We all know what is there. The Lord's prayer. The disciples asked the same prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray, pray in this manner. And then we all know the rest. That's the Lord's prayer. By the way, which is what our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. I mean, we all know this prayer. We we recite it over and over and over and over again. But guess what? If you pray that prayer today, what answer are you expecting? <laughs> Why? Because Jesus taught it as a pattern of prayer. The verse actually says, pray in this manner. That is, pray in this pattern. Pray in this way. So the Lord's prayer is a pattern to teach us how to pray. So it starts with our Father in heaven, which is our Father, God, my Father, a relationship. Without God, as your father, don't expect your prayer to be heard. How can he be your father when you give your life to Jesus? When you accept his offer of salvation, his offer of sonship to you, when you accept that, then you become his child. So in Jesus, you are born again. In Jesus, you can claim the right to be a child of God because he who comes to him, he will by no means cast away. So, our Father in heaven, relationship. Hallowed be thy name, worship. So, relationship, then you kickstart prayer with worship. And then you can begin to request other things. But guess what? Do we see in that portion of scripture that Jesus says, when you pray this prayer, then you have to say in the name of Jesus, Amen. (laughs) Jesus does not say in this particular portion of scripture, that when you pray that this particular prayer I'm telling you the manner in which you must pray you must say in the name of Jesus now the question is why so why then do we pray in the name within the name of Jesus at the end I will give an answer to that question you see we must understand the teachings of Christ before he resurrected before he died and resurrected and we must understand the place of the teachings of of Christ uh, I mean that is after he resurrected so before and after the resurrection we must understand the context before the resurrection that is before the cross Jesus lived under the mosaic law that is under the laws of Moses so Judaism was the religion of the day and the priests still served in the temple which was at Jerusalem the high priest still on the day of Yom Kippur the high priest would still go into the Holy of Holies to do the annual atonement of sins for Israel. So Jesus lived in this era, we have to understand. And so in that era, Christianity wasn't yet born. 
Christianity was born after he resurrected. That is, after the veil in the temple got torn in two when he died. And now we have access to God directly through Jesus Christ, his son. And so when he taught this prayer, the Lord's prayer, he hadn't yet died, neither had he yet even resurrected. And so that prayer was for believers before the resurrection. Now, after he resurrected, he then taught them a different kind of prayer. And we see this in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. And I read. And these are the words of Jesus, by the way. He says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Verse 24. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. What do we see here? He says, until now you have not asked anything in my name. So he says in the verse before, in the verse 23, he says, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, that is now that I have paid the price for you, now that I have died and resurrected, now that I have shed my holy blood for you, the blood that cleanses you and makes you a child of God, now that you are in me, because in me you've got direct access to the Father, now when you pray, you must pray in my name. So Jesus teaches here, we ought to pray in his name. And that is why today, and for prayer to be effective, we must learn to pray in the name of Jesus and believe in the power in that name. It is that name that gives us access into the throne room of grace. And so we must believe in the power in that name. Pray in my name, Jesus says. And when we pray in his name, we have access and we have answers to our prayer. Of course, whatever we are asking for, we sustain desire, we sustain demand, and we sustain faith. Whatever it is we are asking for must be in alignment with the will of God concerning our lives. That is, it must be in alignment with God's word. We cannot be asking for what is outside of his will for our lives. How do we know his will? In his word. I'll be coming back to another podcast where we will talk about the will of God, knowing the will of God. God bless you for listening. And so in conclusion, three things for prevailing prayer. Three ingredients for prevailing prayer. One, sustained desire. Two, sustained demand. And three, sustained faith. God bless you. And I hope to see you again next time. Be blessed. Amen. Hope this message has blessed you. Do visit us at uklsi.org for more information. God bless you and we look forward to hearing from you.